GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noise Land Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me as always is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom Sean. How's it going, Craig? I'm doing great, Sean. I'm pretty excited to finally get to season three. It is one of my favorite seasons of The Simpsons. I'm super excited for this. Yeah, we're going to get to Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. Craig? A what? That, that, that's not the first episode. What do you mean? We're, we're not syndication. Oh. Simpsons have an episode that we skipped. Oh my god, you're right. Today, we're going to get controversial for everybody out there. Yeah, we're going to talk about Stark Raving Dad. So we got to start this episode by talking about the fact that this episode is no longer played in syndication. Yeah, uh, it's funny. uh, 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 Sean and I share a uh, voodoo account, and I was going to do the research, and uh, the episode before this is Blood Feud. I watched that, and so it says, like, do you want to watch the next episode? And it said, Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. I was like, oh, that's weird. I guess if the uh, episodes, you know, uh, you know, maybe been watched recently, it just skips it. I was like, that's weird. And I backed out and go to the, the next season. And I'm like, we're stark raving. Oh, my God. That's right. They took it off. Yeah, they took it off. Even though he's not actually credited by name, much like Dustin Hoffman was in the uh, Lisa Substitute episode. Michael Jackson, who's what, John J. John J. Smith is what he goes by in the credits. Yeah, John J. Smith. After all these allegations have come out about Michael Jackson, you know, they decided to pull the episode, which is a little strange because, I mean, the allegations had been around for a long time. He went to court for things like that. Yeah, it seems very strange timing that it, the HBO documentary Finding Neverland came out. Mm Mm-hmm. And then all these allegations came out, and they were like, well, we got to pull that episode. It was a horrible idea. Yeah, it's strange, because, I mean, the the episode is is a very good one. However, I mean, it is certainly no excuse for Michael Jackson. He shouldn't, you know, like, you know, but but it comes into that that debate of, like, well, okay, he did something horrible, but is his music and work no longer something you can enjoy because of the fact that he did these horrible things. And that's where it gets iffy because, I mean, there definitely have been people that I stopped watching their stuff, you know, like like the comedian Louis C.K. had issues, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, uh, sexual abuse, sexual abuse uh, against, you know, women he had like worked with or whatever. And I don't listen to him anymore. I don't I don't I used to watch his comedy specials. I used to go on YouTube and see clips of his work and interviews and I thought he was a really funny dude and arguably he still is a very funny guy, but it's hard for me to enjoy it when I know that's like that that's what he did. It's hard for me to support that. It's also very strange to go back and look at older things when somebody is in a different light. Mm-hmm. A lot of these jokes about Bill Cosby being the idol father. <laughs> Oh, boy. They, they look very awkward currently well, as we yeah. go back to them. Absolutely. Now, I say we we start diving into things, of course, and we'll we'll chat about things as we go. And we'll also be having a Patreon special where we talk about Michael Jackson in length about, you know, all these things happening around his life and stuff. So make sure to check out uh, Patreon.com slash Media for more coverage there. Uh, but, Sean, Stark Raving Dad, when did this episode first air? 
you know, this first this episode aired on a pretty boring day. Nothing exciting has ever happened on this day. I beg your goddamn pardon. September 19th. 1991. Yeah, September 19th is not only Talk Like a Pirate Day, it is also my birthday. Yeah, how awesome is it that you had a birthday episode on your birthday, you bastard? I'm jealous. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pretty I saw exciting. I saw that and I immediately got jealous writing my notes. Pretty exciting. So, in this in the premiere of the 3rd season, which has now been removed from syndication, Homer is committed to a mental institution after wearing a pink shirt at work and meets a man who claims to be the pop star Michael Jackson. Sean, what did, what did we have going on uh, around the, the world uh, on this day in 1991? Nothing too important, but something I want back in life. Oh, yeah? Sometimes when you play a video game, mm-hmm. you just want to beat the shit out of people. <laughs> like, you don't want to uh, hold back. You just want to uh, beat the living shit out of people and have fun and have stupid fun. You sure? I don't care what genre that is. It doesn't have to be a beat-em-up or a fighting game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want my sports games to involve beating the shit out of people. Go on. Because when I race in a game, I want it to be Road Rash, which (laughs) Road Rash came out for the Sega Genesis right around this time. And man, dude, I love that series, and I wish it would come back. Yeah, Road Rash was a lot of fun. I, I... Really, really enjoyed Road Rash. It is it is definitely a really fun series. It's a racing game where you pick up a chain and hit other bikers with it. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. What's, <sighs> what's going to depress me now after I got so excited about Road Rash? Oh, boy. I've got something for you. So this is uh, uh, more American news. So in Ocala, Florida, a man who I'm not going to name yet received a life sentence for armed robbery of a supermarket. He had quite a, an extensive record. He had previously served a sentence for beating his grandmother. He robbed a grocery store in Tampa, burglarized three homes in Tampa as well. He robbed the first union bank in Gainesville. Uh, this man, uh, his attorney said that he, they would appeal this life sentence. Uh, it, had, uh, it was a life sentence with uh, no minimum mandatory sentence. And uh, at this time, this man had also sort of been a suspect in some murder cases. This man's name is Danny Harold Rowling. He is known as the Gainesville Ripper, a serial killer who had been convicted in the, the 90s. And so it's interesting that the, this newspaper has no proof that he's the Gainesville Ripper, but everybody had all these clues that, uh, because the interesting thing is that where he was had criminal activity, robbing places, he also had, there were attacks in that area and murders. Because essentially what was happening is he was targeting college students, specifically Caucasian brunettes with brown eyes. And in a lot of the cases, he would like pose the bodies after capturing them, raping them, killing them. And in one case, it was he like raped the victim, stabbed her in the heart, cut off her head. And in order to make sure that he gave the biggest shock value, he put the head on like the the board, like the headboard of the bed, facing the door, so that the person who saw it would see that. This guy was nuts. He uh, apparently uh, wanted to uh, become like a, a rock star, like other serial killers before him, like well known. He uh, uh, they ended up finding him in a camp outside, like students' apartment, student apartments. And he had, like, audio recordings of himself singing country songs and him, like, having audio diaries alluding to the killings 
Eventually, Rowling's, uh, Rowling was sentenced to death by lethal injection and died in 2006. Uh, the Gainesville Ripper also inspired uh, Kevin Williamson to pen the script for Scream. Fun times. Yeah, I, I actually knew that before you even got into that. I, I was figured like, yeah. you're you're a you're a <laughs> fan a of horror. horror movie yeah, guy. you're a horror movie guy, so <laughs> I figured you would know that. Uh, but yeah, the this like it, it's funny to think that like you know when you think of like serial killers, you don't normally think of the '90s. Usually, you think of like you know like older than that when it was a little harder to track people down and stuff. And yeah, well, when did Dahmer get arrested? Wasn't that mid '90s? Ooh, did Jeffrey Dahmer get arrested in the '90s? I don't know. I mean, at the very least, he had been killing people for quite a while before that, I think. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a look here. Uh, he had been given a life in prison, imprisonment in uh, 1992. Uh, so he was probably captured. Uh, uh, yeah, he was uh, killing people from 78 to 91. Yeah, so. So, I mean, you know, it, um, a bulk of his work, so to speak, was earlier than 1990, but yeah. It's, we uh, had the Unabomber in the 90s. Don't, don't badmouth the 90s. We had our fair share of killers, and it was a good time to be alive. <laughs> Not a good time to be alive when you have Unabombers and serial killers around. But, yeah, that was what was going on in uh, uh, the early 90s there on my birthday while I was enjoying my slice of chocolate on chocolate cake. Yeah, let's not get depressing and talk about Michael Jackson now. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode starts, and uh, Lisa's waking up Bart at 6 a.m., and uh, he wakes up, and he's like, Lisa, it's 6 a.m., something's wrong, Dad died. And Lisa's like, no, 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 he's fine. And he's like, well, what do you know? I'm relieved. If somebody woke me up at 6 a.m., I immediately go to the worst thought ever. I mean, yeah, that, well, that's what Bart did, too. Uh, Lisa tells Bart that her birthday's in two days. Uh, she'll be eight, and uh, it's funny because Bart's like, "Well, you, you know, you once you hit the big one zero, you know, things start to not be the same. Candy doesn't taste as good. Your, you know, back starts going. He starts like, like pretending like he's an old man, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, this old timer likes to ramble on. He tries to go back to bed, and Lisa basically tells Bart that she that he has disappointed her on nearly every one of her birthdays. So I feel like Bart's line about this old timer will ramble on. Uh-huh. Life isn't as good as how it used to be. Yeah. It's a state of mind people put themselves in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I do not feel any different than I felt in my 20s. Not really, no. I, I, I would say that uh, my acid reflux is worse. I've noticed that. But aside from that, yeah, that's about it. I, I still can party to the point where I throw up and keep partying. Good for you, Sean. Yeah. Good for you, Sean. Like, I still have that attitude in me. Good for it's you, all a state of mind. Yeah, until your liver catches up with you. Anywho, uh, and so, you know, Bart says, he, he promises Lisa that he's going to get her a birthday present. And so, you know, we go to the kitchen and Bart is uh, forced to watch Mag- Maggie uh, while, you know, Marge goes, I think, into the basement to get laundry. And he decides instead to call the Krusty Hotline. And so it's like $2 for the first minute, 50 cents for every additional minute. And it basically, it's just like crusty laughing for like minutes on end, which is kind of creepy, right? It's super creepy, but I love it. I mean, could you imagine calling the phone and somebody just starts laughing at you and just keeps laughing and laughing? Well, it's funny too, because it starts off and, and, you know, crusty is, is like, you know, he's like, did you get your mommy and daddy's permission? No. 
Well, Krusty forgives you. <laughs> and he just starts laughing. It's weird. So I work a job where I answer phones, and the second I'm quitting that job, I am going to do this to somebody where I just start laughing after I answer it. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be like, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to laugh until they hang up or <laughs> they start getting mad because it'll be really funny, and I think I could keep going for a couple minutes. Really funny and utterly horrifying to the person on the other end of the line. Utterly horrifying. Hmm. Uh, I also really appreciate uh, Bart's line here where he says that, uh, you know, Marge comes in and she's like, Bart, I told you to watch Maggie. And he's like, you know, like, I would have, but she overpowered me. And, like, Maggie spits her, you know, pacifier at Bart. Uh, And, you know, Homer freaks out. He can't find his shirt. And, you know, Marge is like, oh, it's okay. I did the laundry. You know, it's right here. And everything is pink. And it's because Bart put his lucky red hat in the wash. So... Have you ever had that happen? I have never had that happen. See this red shirt I'm wearing right now? Yeah. Uh, a while back, it turned my uh, socks pink. Nice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go on. I am very thorough at doing my laundry, so I don't have that problem ever. Um, Listen, I don't have all the time in the world, all in one load, whatever. It'll sort itself out. <laughs> You're a monster. Eh, what are you going to do? Homer says, though, that he's not popular enough to be different, and he can't wear a pink shirt to work. And Marge is like, listen, it's not a big deal. I feel like this is a very dated joke. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely a not. I mean, even at the time, it was a little uh, probably a little bit dated. But, you know, here we are. I love pink dress shirts. They look good. I absolutely love them. I think they pull off any outfit. If, oh, I wore a pink dress shirt to my mom's wedding now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Hmm. I, I, I feel like you can pull off pink. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. It also depends on, like, skin tone and stuff, too, I think, you know? but uh, Yeah, I think the paler you are, the pink goes good with it. Really? I was going to say, uh, uh, I feel like even darker skin tones. I feel like, you know, a lighter color. Pink is just off. the perfect color, everybody. <laughs> Apparently. And so Burns is watching everyone on cameras, and he goes, stop the footage. And they zoom in, and you see Homer in a pink shirt. And Burns demands that he be brought before him, because he must be some kind of free-thinking anarchist. And these color monitors have already paid for themselves. (laughs) Which I'm surprised Burns sprung for color monitors. We sometimes see that he does have black and white monitors. Maybe that's another uh, uh, way we can uh, one day try to figure out the timeline of The Simpsons. Is like, is when did he get the color monitors? What happens <laughs> yeah, after? Exactly. <laughs> so, so Homer goes to get like you know donuts or whatever, and everyone's making fun of him. And you know, I think it's like uh, uh, Lenny and Carl, Carl, Carl are like, you know, hey, we saved you a donut. It's got pink frosting. <laughs> they laugh at him, and he and Homer is you know he's okay with a pink donut. And then he gets caught off guard. He's like, hey, wait a second, I'm not some kind of Pink, just because I'm wearing a pink shirt doesn't mean I'm a some kind of pink donut eater. And he's like, although it is tempting. So that that's a weird joke, right? That's weird because Homer's cliche donut that you think of is a pink sprinkled donut. It is the one they animate the most. Yeah. You know, for sure. And I mean, let's face it, in animation, that is probably the most distinct looking donut you can make. Because let's face it, like if you're like, oh, a French crueler, it's like, well, it's just a wrinkly Bagel? Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to tell exactly, but a pink frosted donut with, you know, it, it just looks very iconic. 
And so a goon squad comes to get Homer and they drag him away. Like they, they throw like their coat over Homer and they're like, come on, Pinky. And it cuts into a like interrogation room. And your favorite character makes another appearance. Can he just die already? Can he please start dying? <laughs> and so it's Burns Smithers, uh, I think some guards, and Dr. Marvin Monroe. So Burns specifically calls Homer a word I wanted to bring up. Uh huh. He calls him a fop. Go on. Do you know what a fop is? Is that one of the enemies in Earthbound? Maybe. No. So, oh, okay. Never so, heard. FOP is an older term, usually used in Victorian-era England. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a man who's concerned with his clothes and appearance and is affected by exe- excess. So, think of a dandy. Think of your cliche, ooh, ha, ha, ha. Okay. That's a FOP. Okay. Like, the, the cliched white, like, powder makeup. Okay, I gotcha. So, that's the term that Burns uses to refer to him, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... You know, like, Burns is, like, trying to get to the bottom of things and figure out, like, how nuts Homer is. And Smithers is like, well, sir, we did, a like, an extensive body body cavity surgery. It turned up nothing. And, and Burns is like, well, Smithers, he's like, perhaps you two are in cahoots. I remember you having a perchet, uh, or, or penchant for bell bottoms in uh, 1979. And Smithers is like, sir, I was I was doing a like a, a reading of the HMS Pinafore. And he's like, ah, yes, I believe your antics stole the show. And Dr. Marvin Monroe comes in. He's like, well, he's got this take-home test that Homer can do. And so... God, I hate Marvin Monroe. I really do. <laughs> hey, listen, it used to be it would take months to figure out a, a patient's sanity. But with the Marvin Monroe take-home test, it can be done overnight. Kill him. Kill him dead. <laughs> so, so you have Homer come in, and he goes to Marge, and we see Marge like trying to you know sp- uh, spray her hair and get it ready or whatever, and she runs out of hairspray, throws it away, and reaches into a drawer and it's like filled with hairspray bottles, and so. Marge tells him no. This is like a deep, in-depth psychological exam. It's not for her to take. He goes to Lisa, though, because Lisa's smart. She's into this kind of thing. And Lisa's trade with Homer is that in order to do it, she or Homer has to listen to her poem, uh, poems about her pets dying. A lament of turning eight. I had a cat snowball. He died. He died. Uh, What was it? Mom said he ran away. She She lied. lied. She She lied. lied. And Homer's like. And then, like, there's a pause, and she's like, I had a, a pet hamster named, like, like Scruffy or something. And she's, he's like, no deal. Why didn't that crust Chrysler hit me instead? <laughs> yeah. And so Homer yells, no deal, and runs away. He gives it to Bart, though. And Bart's like, I don't know about this, Dad. And he's like, listen, son. He's like, this is just like the time I let you vote for me. Do you remember that absentee ballot? And Bart's like, oh, yeah. Which does kind of play into the fact that Homer later will tell, uh, uh, his co-workers, that he feels that people who vote are a bit fruity. Hmm. Which is another joke that isn't really aged great, and that's from way, way later in the series. Homer starts watching America's, or a show that is represented, uh, or represented, uh, uh, or made to mimic, I should say, America's Funniest Home Videos. And so, 
Homer's like, dog on fire, dog on fire. Yeah, so the videos are dog on fire, Uh huh. baby with a nail gun, Aww. and I don't remember the third one. Uh, it was, oh shoot, what was the uh, third one? It was the, uh, uh, the dog on fire, I don't remember. It was like man breaks hip or something like that. It was like something very generic and painful. Man breaking hip, man dog breaking on hip. fire, and baby with a nail gun. <laughs> and like the 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 when it's the uh you know, a dog on fire. You know, it's like rough. Did anyone call for a hot dog? And Homer's like cracking up. And, so oh yeah, I'm gonna spoil something for the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. My favorite line of the entire episode is, "Did anyone order a hot dog?" That's so fun. <laughs> but it gets me laughing every time. I just imagine a dog literally on fire on one of these shows and is so dark and twisted. It absolutely is. And so imagine Bob Saget saying, anyone order a hot dog? Because he used to host America's Home Videos. Yeah. And so uh, for those who don't know, America's Funniest Home Videos started as a special on November 26, 1989 started around the same time of The Simpsons, and it's still running to this day, kind of like The Simpsons. That blows my damn mind that the show is still on, and every now and then I see it on. So for our younger viewers, America's Funniest Home Videos, it's YouTube. It's freaking YouTube. That's all it is. Yeah, it basically was. It was uh, uh, people would send in home videos, which they had to record themselves and send in the tapes, and they had a chance to win like $10,000 or whatever, and Bob Saget did indeed host the show from 1989 to 1997. And I, I think Carlton, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, uh, Car, uh, Carlos Ribeiro, uh, the guy who played Carlton on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's currently the host of uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Really? I believe so. According to the internet, that's what I saw. Uh, unless I'm crazy, I'm pretty sure that's the case. It just blows my mind that that show is still on post-YouTube. Right? At this point, it's got to just be them finding YouTube videos and playing them. Like, There's no way it's anything else. That's what I'd imagine. I mean, some people are very old-timey in their ways. It always blows my mind that people rent pornography. <laughs> I mean, it is not so wrong. readily accessible on the internet. You can pull it up on your smartphone. Yeah, yeah. So not wrong. some people are just old and they don't want to update to new things, and some, so some people are analog. Some people don't like YouTube. They just want to watch their America's Funniest Home Videos. I suppose so. So, uh, Bart answers yes to like everything on this test. You know, he's like, you know, Dad, have you ever been like quick to anger? And he's like, Shut up, boy! I'm watching this. And he's like, oh, Okay, yeah. And it's like, you know, he gets to the question, like, do you ever wet yourself or whatever? And he's like, all of us have accidents from time to time, right? Do you hear voices? I'm hearing one right now. (laughs) Yep. And so he gets back to work and turns in this test. And he's like, did I pass? And Burns is like, (laughs) no. And they drag him away. And Smith is just like, careful, man. He wets his pants. That joke comes up a lot in this episode. It really does. We also see the same ambulance drivers is we do every single time they show an ambulance in The Simpsons. It's the same two dudes in the front seat. Uh, and he gets taken to New Bedlam, rest home for the emotionally interesting. Which is one of two mental institutions we'll see in the series. What's the other one, John? Calmwood Mental Institute, which yeah. is where Flanders goes to when he has his breakdown in Hurricane Nettie. How many mental institutions does Springfield have? I don't think Calmwood is in Springfield. Oh, it's somewhere outside of town. I think it's outside of town, and I think it's where Flanders is from. 
that it's why he went back there because he remembers it from his childhood in that episode. Oh, they do recognize him there. Yeah, so I think it's outside of Springfield. It must be. Maybe near Capital City, outside of Capital City, because that's where his parents uh, uh, raised them, right? I think so. So, yeah, I think it's outside Capital City. <sighs> I guess we don't know if it's Capital City, but it's a big city. We've seen that in flashbacks. Uh, so he gets to, you know, Calmwood Asylum, and he he's, like, you know, doing inkblot tests, uh, which I I don't know if they still do those or not. Like a Rorschach test or whatever? I don't think they still do Rorschach tests. I, I think wouldn't think so. They're outdated. And so, like, you know, it's like, you know, devil with his fly down. And they're like, very good. It's like, ants going to a spill. Good. And one looks kind of like Bart. And he's like, the boy. And he starts trying to get up and they wrestle him down. And he's like, this isn't fair. How can you tell who's sane and who's insane? He's like, well, we have a very simple method. He stamps his hand. And he goes, whoever has that stamp on their hand is insane. And it's just a red stamp on his hand, uh, the front palm of his hand or whatever. Uh, that just says insane. I want that rubber stamper. <laughs> insane. And so they say, let's put him with the big white guy who thinks he's the little black guy. And they huck him into uh, a room that has uh, you know two beds in it. And Homer is introduced to a, a large, a really big, tall white guy who introduces himself as Michael Jackson and has a very, very fair, kind of soft-spoken voice. So I have a question about this line for you. Mm -hmm. Is this the first time the Yellow Simpsons characters are referred to as being white? Yes, it is. Because I tried to figure that out if it was mentioned before this. I believe this is the first time the, the Simpsons characters who are yellow are referred to as white. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And so he gets introduced to Michael Jackson of the Jacksons, and Homer Simpson says, "I'm Homer, Homer, uh, you know Simpson from the Simpsons," and they shake. Uh-huh. And so, I uh, the next scene we see is not Homer. Uh, it's actually Bart and Lisa watching it's Itchy and Scratchy. Uh, you know, it's a birthday scene. Uh, you know, Itchy and Scratchy episode. And you know, Lisa's like, you know, Bart. I think before you know he was blown up. You know, Itchy. You know, really or Scratchy enjoyed getting that present from Itchy. And Bart's like, you want that once a year empty gesture? You got it. Homer, back in the mental institute, uh, New Bedlam, uh, doesn't really see the issue with all the patients. He says, you know, he's like, hey, these all seem like regular guys. And Homer, you know, and obviously the gag is that we're seeing people that are insane and the the, the humor is coming from the fact that, you know, Homer is is ignorant or can't see the 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 clear problems these people have but i almost feel like this is kind of a, a credit to homer's personality that he sees these people and he doesn't view them negatively he just sees them as regular guys even though you know some of them are in straight jackets like one of them is uh done up like uh hannibal lecter with like the mouth guard thing so i do appreciate that homer just sees them as regular people have you ever been to an institution by the way uh because i have I don't think I've been to a, uh, you know, I, uh, when I was very young, yes, I went to visit somebody. Yeah. I went to visit somebody in an institution. But I, was, I don't remember when I was that young. A lot of the people who are there suffer from things like PTSD on very heavy levels. Yeah. You have a lot of things like that. And it's, it's people who are very normal people. They can live very normal lives. Sure. They just have issues they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we see, you know, I mean, Homer makes fun of them, but that's what we're going to see throughout this episode that a lot of these people, you know, that at least that we get to to know a little bit more, 
do. They're just regular people just have some kind of, you know, uh, issue that they can't deal with in their everyday life. And there's a few references to a movie that go through this scene. Oh, yeah. So the first guy he meets is Floyd, who they refer to as an idiot savant, which is definitely a dated term. Savant has still stayed around, uh, but it's no longer referred to as idiot savant. It's essentially in reference to uh, uh, Rain Man, uh, who is based upon the real life Kim Peek, who really, which Shout out to to Kim Peek. If 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 any if you Sean or any of our listeners are unfamiliar, definitely look on YouTube for documentaries on this Kim Peek guy who Dustin Hoffman actually spent time with in order to kind of uh, emulate him for Rain Man. It's who it's what Rain Man was based on. Kim Peek was a savant who was able to remember every single thing he ever read, basically, and it's phenomenally interesting to see this guy because like he would go to like events he's passed away now he he's he's died some years ago but like he would go to events and you know people would be like uh you know on on this day in 1776 uh you know there was this you know the the you know the revolutionary war started what day of the week was that and he would shout out and he'd be like tuesday and he just knew he knew he could piece together all this ridiculous stuff. He knew every area code, every zip code in the country because he read phone books. Like he just legit. It's it's incredibly fascinating. I really I, I would love to spend way more talking about that. But that's who Floyd is based on. Yes. Uh, next is Chief. Who's based on the chief from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. By all means, Sean. So in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, there's a character who is a Native American chief who's basically a big, strong, silent character. And he ends up forming somewhat of a weird relationship with Jack Nicholson's character, who's mm-hmm. in there just kind of to get away from not being put away in jail. Yeah. He's not really insane. Yeah, he's kind of a scumbag. Oh, yeah, he's, he's totally a scumbag. It's a great film, and I love it to death. But Chief is kind of in reference to that. So he's the big, silent chief in this episode who's never said a word. Homer then says, hey, how's it going? And he's like, he's like hey, how are you? And... All the doctors start running over, and he's like, "It's about time somebody reached out to me." Which you know, uh-huh. you know, it, it's a it's a simple gag, but it's a pretty it's good simple, one. but it's so good it gets me. I, uh, so you know, Homer needs to call home, and so he you know he gets to the phone, and he we see the speed dials on the phone are for the Larry King Show, Oprah, Phil Donahue, jo- uh, Geraldo, and Ski Report. You gotta call Ski Report every now and then. What is Ski Report? I don't know what Ski Report is. I just thought it was hilarious. When I Googled it, I only brought up reports on the conditions for skiing, and I have no idea what that is. So if anyone knows what that is... How were the conditions for skiing, Craig? Uh, they were... I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I did not write that down. But all of them are talk shows, obviously. And then if anyone knows what that ski report is, if it's some more obscure talk show or a talk show that I just we just don't know of, by all means, reach out to us in the Discord. But, uh, you know, Homer doesn't know what to say to his family. He's nervous. He's embarrassed. So he asks Michael to, you know, call up and tell his family what's going on. So he calls up and he's like, hey, you know, my name is Michael Jackson. And Bart's like, yeah, right. So Bart answers the phone the way I answer the phone. Every single time I know one of my friends is calling it, it pops up on Color D and I'm at work. Uh-huh. Joe's crematorium, you kill him, we grill him. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, Michael's a little caught off guard. And he's like, uh, he's like, you know, who is this? And Bart's once again, like, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm Michael Jackson. I'm here with your father in this, you know, mental institute. And Bart's like, no way. You're not Michael Jackson. And so he's like, no, it's true. And he's like, yeah, is, you know, Elvis around? And he's like, I don't know. It's a big hospital, (laughs) which is a great, great delivery for Michael Jackson there. And uh, in order to quiz Michael, Bart asks, who were your last four dates at the Grammys? Do you know who those were, Sean? I remember Brooke Shields, and that's probably the only one. Brooke Shields, Diana Ross, Emmanuel Lewis, and Bubbles. Ah, Bubbles. Michael Jackson's uh, chimpanzee. Who's also King Kai's chimpanzee. <laughs> Indeed he is. Uh, and Well, I don't think he's a, a chimpin. Uh, no, I think he's just a monkey. Yeah, he's just some... He's just a Toriyama-style yeah. monkey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bubbles, uh, last I had checked, is actually still alive. Good in for a, Bubbles. Uh, in a, like an ape reserve uh, in, I think, Florida. Good for Bubbles. Mm-hmm. Indeed. You know, uh, Michael says, you know, you know, Bart, you know, you probably want your dad out of here soon. You don't want him to get a lobotomy. And, you know, Bart's like, well, there must be a downside to that somewhere that I can't think of. He's like, takes down the info, gives it to his mom, moonwalks into the kitchen, for the record. And Marge is like, oh, my God, mother was right. I love the way she says that. Yeah, I really do, too. And, Sean, there's another uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest reference here, right? Uh, when when uh, Homer's asking for the only, how how to get out of the uh, be- new bedlam? Yeah, dating a nurse. It's kind of similar. The nurse there is kind of similar to Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> Forget it, pal. The only way out of here is dating the nurse. And so Marge is calling up uh, new bedlam, and she's freaking out. This starts... A gag in season three that I love so much. Yeah, so season three has a, a chain of gags, and I think it even goes into season four, maybe. I think it continues into four, and then it stops. Uh, and, and Marge is yelling at the kids, and she's like, I always told you you'd send your father to the crazy house. And Bart's like, no, Mom, you said the poor house. And she's like, crazy house. He's like, no, poor house. Crazy house! And he like just sort of looks at Lisa, and they're freaking out. And Marge calls New Bedlam, and they're like, put her on hold. And it starts playing Crazy by Patsy Cline. I love this joke that there are relevant songs to whatever the situation is. Yeah, they continue this on where where when one of the characters has to make a call, the hold music is something relevant to what's going on. It is such a funny gag. I wish they kept doing it. It, it, it yeah, I, they they ended that gag way too early. And I guess they probably, you know, it was a way for them to sort of extend the episodes a little bit, I'm sure because oh, I'm you sure know. It is. So I'm sure they probably didn't want to have to keep doing that every episode, but like Anytime they needed to extend things, they probably could have got away with a gag like this. Homer is scared. Homer is in the the institute and he's, you know, uh, uh, talking with Michael and he says, you know, I'm ashamed to admit this to another man, but I'm afraid. And Michael's like, you know, Homer, there's, you know, everybody is afraid. And this is sort of more of that, like, especially, you know, back then, that, like, 90s sort of, like, you need to be masculine, you can't show emotion thing going on. You know, as Homer admits that he is ashamed to tell another man that he's afraid. Yeah, so we kind of touched on this, I believe, in a previous episode Mm -hmm. where we touched on men buying tampons. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a masculinity thing. And there's just this weird attitude from an older generation 
that men have to be the most masculine, manly men ever. You can't show yeah. emotion. You can't cry. You have to be emotionally distant to everything. It's kind of weird when you think about mm-hmm. it. No, absolutely. It, it is really, really bizarre that, like, you know, they, they, there's that, like, insistence that men can't show emotion, that you can't do feminine things. And, you know, I mean, clearly it didn't matter. And I, I think I mentioned in that previous episode, I went out and bought tampons for my little sister or whatever. You know, she didn't have a car. I had, you know, my mom was at work or whatever. She needed them. Well, what else was I going to do? I had to go get them. And it, there was no sense her going with me to spare me the shame, quote unquote. It didn't matter. You know? I uh, now I Homer though I uh, tells I uh, I uh, you know Michael that he's afraid and Michael Jackson sings Homer a lullaby. However, this is not actually Michael Jackson singing. Is that correct? Michael Jackson does not sing any of the singing parts in this episode. It's interesting that he was able to do the voices, but I believe it was based upon contract. Yes, that so- he couldn't do it. They get Kip Lennon to do all of the singing in the episode. Specifically, we'll get a big song in the end of this episode. But there is the scene right before Homer goes to sleep that he's singing. Kip Lennon was a Michael Jackson impersonator who they had to hire due to contractual obligations that Michael Jackson could not sing in his parts because his voice is technically the property of his record company. That is so bizarre. There's a conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. out there that it is actually Michael Jackson who sung, and they made this whole tale to placate the record company. Oh. So this could feasibly be Michael Jackson, and they just lied and said, no, 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 it's an impersonator. Yes. So there is that theory that's out there by some hardcore fans that Michael Jackson actually did his singing voice. Interesting. Now, I tell you what, Sean, we don't normally do this on Noiseland Arcade, but do we want to listen real quick to uh, the... uh, Uh, The lullaby that Michael Jackson, quote-unquote Michael Jackson, sings to Homer? Yeah, let's pull that up. This is so strange, Mike. I'm ashamed to admit it to another guy, but I'm scared. We all get scared once in a while. Maybe I can help you. Homer, the two of us need look no more. We both found what we were looking for. With a friend to come my own I'll never be alone And you, my friend, will see You've got a friend in me And yeah, that's uh, the the song that uh, Michael Jackson sings And honestly, it might be one of my favorite Simpsons songs Throughout the series. I love that Homer falls asleep and just imagines pancakes and football in his dream. It's so Homer. I believe he also mentions boobies at one point. I, I think he does. And uh, and Michael, he pulls out his like you know stuffed animal and he's like, Bubbles, it's going to be a long night. Well, I mean, come on. We know Homer. He dreams of naked Le Marge. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he bonds with Michael in, you know, New Bedlam. And, uh, you know, we find out that Homer isn't very empathetic in the next scene. So, uh, yeah, he's kind of he's put into a group session with other people who are in New Bedlam. And it's interesting because he, you know, 
uh, he like you know the the guy has what is it agoraphobia? He has agoraphobia, where which... you're, you know a fear of like uh, like you know like crowds and pl- you know uh, uh, places like filled with people and whatnot. And you know Homer's like you know he's like I you know woke up for the morning and I just you know c- c- just couldn't do it. And Homer's like why? Like could you not find the like the keys to the house? And like and the lady's like no Homer he has agoraphobia, and he you know starts talking some more. And he's like, I, I just couldn't drive to work. I just couldn't drive to work. And Homer's like, are you out of gas? And everyone glares at him, and he's like, baby. So other than the baby, I really like the way Homer deals with this scene. Homer doesn't understand it, but it doesn't, yeah, until the the baby part, he's kind of not necessarily empathetic. He's just trying to get it. Yeah, he's trying to understand it. And it's very similar to how some people who do have issues are treated by people. Mm-hmm. My brother actually suffered from a mild case of agoraphobia for a while. Yeah. He became very addicted to Star Wars galaxies. And uh-huh, he actually yes. would not leave the house for weeks on end. Mm-hmm. Literal weeks on end. He would go to school, come home, and that would be all he would do. Yeah. He would not leave to go out. He would not do anything with friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it's very similar to that where he just did not want to leave his comfort zone. He was happy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, and, and it is funny that, you know, the, but once again, it's like the early 90s mentality of looking at mental health and, you know, like, you know, the, the male masculinity and how, you know, people should be. And so, so oh, I'm not giving that to the early 90s. That still goes on today. I'm not going right. to go light on that. Yeah, that's true. People still give crap about that. Yeah. The, well, yeah, especially like I feel like younger generations now are way more open to people who are like going to like, you know, therapy and, you know, like, you know, emotions for men and like, you know, like gender uh, uh, biases and stuff like like younger generations are a lot better about it. But the older generation still are a little iffy on some of those things. Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because we, we don't get very political on this show until next episode where we will definitely get very political because, <laughs> oh, my God, is that going to be baked in there? Spoilers for next week, guys, but we're going to get pretty political. But there's this kind of concept where someone will say something like, I'm transgendered. Nope, that doesn't exist. You're only one gender. You were born this gender. Yeah. It's that's... very similar to that. So it still yeah. exists today, and it is... <laughs> You're not. Wrong. It pisses me off. <laughs> it does. So, Marge comes in though, and you know she she's talking with the guy, uh, the head doctor or whatever, and you know, he, you know, and the guy's like, you know, ma'am, he's like, your husband suffers from a person persecution complex, extreme paranoia, and bladder issues. <laughs> bladder issues is And she's like, you know, doctor, she's like, if you talk to my homer or talk to my husband for, you know, five minutes without bringing up our son Bart, you'll find that he's completely sane. And the guy's like, there really is a Bart? Good Lord. (laughs) Which I love. And I can't tell if it's that he's he's happy there's a Bart or sad that there's a Bart. I think he's shocked (laughs) that Bart actually exists and causes all these problems. (laughs) And so, you know, I... Homer's about to eat some pancakes, you know, he's in the cafeteria, and Marge comes in, and they they kiss, and, like, it's kind of awkward because all the, like, patients start making, like, kissy motions and, like, staring at him and stuff, and it's a little uncomfortable, uh, but the doctor comes up and says that Homer is not a threat to himself or others, which is the most flattering thing anyone has ever told Homer, and he wants it in writing, and the guy says, sure, and he gives him, a, uh, a like, a, a, a certificate that says not insane. I want one of those. <laughs> you don't deserve one of those. <laughs> so, I. Uh, meanwhile, Lisa is in the kitchen with Maggie, 
singing happy birthday all to herself. Okay, I'm going to get really on a high horse for this scene. By all means. Fuck Lisa. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) Lisa. I'm sorry. But, okay, it's your Mm -hmm. birthday. You're eight years old. Uh You should be the center of attention. Your dad was committed to an institution, and your mom is going to pick him up from the institution. Have some goddamn empathy, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Your dad needs you right in this moment. You are not the entire world. It's just your birthday. You will have many more. You know, I will say, you're you're right. Objectively, like that is how it should be looked at. But I will say that we know that Lisa is definitely looked over by the family. She she's close with Marge, but Homer definitely ignores her existence. And as far as that goes, you know, the, her birthday is probably one of the few times in a year where she gets attention from her father and more than usual attention from her mother. Well, any other birthday, and that's fine. Right, but, right. But that's right. like a little kid finding out, oh, you know, grandma passed away on my birthday. I could go to a funeral instead of this. Yeah. Your grandmother has passed away. That is a very sad moment, and it's much more important than your birthday is. I mean, when you get down to it, a birthday doesn't really matter. Lisa, your birthday does not matter. It upsets me so much. I, like, <laughs> I felt bad for Lisa as a kid, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, no. No, your dad was being picked up from a mental institution. Like, your mother is taking care of a huge problem right now. Cut mm-hmm. your mother some goddamn slack. You can be upset that like, your birthday is not perfect. But cut her some slack. Your day is not ruined because your mother is doing something horrible that she has to deal with. That is true. And uh, so... Sorry, I had to get, get on that one because that, that scene just bugs me. It bugs me so much. And it always comes up in, like, the saddest Lisa moments. And I just get super upset when I see, like, lists with the saddest Lisa moments. I mean, it is very depressingly depicted. Uh, out of context, it's depressingly depicted. In context, it's just... You're right. You're right. She's just a spoiled little brat. <laughs> I mean, in this Fuck case, her. yeah. <laughs> so... Homer calls home and he gets Bart on the line. He's like, Bart, he's like, when I get home and I get my hands on you and the doctor and all these like, you know, like uh, aides turn around and looked into him and Homer's like, I'm going to smother you with kisses. And Bart's like, cut the, whatever they got you on, cut the dose. And so Homer tells uh, Bart that he's having a guest come by because Michael uh, apparently is only here by his own volition. He hasn't been committed. He can leave anytime he wants. And Homer says, yeah, put some cold cuts, you know, make sure there are cold cuts in the fridge and beer on ice. And Michael says, uh, you know, I'm a vegetarian. I don't drink. Homer's like, you sure that you're in here by your own volition? Which is a little bit more of a, like, it's still kind of a jab to, you know, vegetarians and people who don't drink alcohol for sure. But at least it's a little bit more in keeping with Homer's persona that, you know. It keeps with Homer, but it also goes to that older generation not understanding, because I was a vegetarian for about six years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of the older generation do not understand that. Yeah, yeah. We're we're really ragging on boomers today. Yeah, we really are. Poor baby boomers. Uh, Yeah, uh, poor baby boomers having everything (laughs) they needed to just give them to them. (laughs) So. (laughs) Damn. So, I. Uh, you know, Bart freaks out that Michael Jackson is coming over. And Homer's like, you better not tell anyone, not even Milhouse. And so Bart calls Milhouse. And he's like, Milhouse, can you keep a secret? Milhouse is like, no. And he's like, all right, I can't like, keep it in any longer. And he tells him Michael Jackson's coming. Now, I have a list of all the people that he talked to. Okay, go through this list. Ah, so he calls Milhouse. Milhouse calls Kearney. Kearney calls Otto. 
Otto calls Krusty the Clown, who answers it, you know, because everyone's like, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. And it gets to Krusty the Clown. He goes, Aunt Bella. And he goes, oh, hold on. I got to call on the other line. Michael Jackson. And we also see that they call Snake, Grandpa, Selma, Barney, Dr. Hibbert, some random dude, Mrs. Winfield, the receptionist at the Rubber Baby Buggy Bumper Babysitting Service, and Mo. And it dawned on me what happened here. They reused every single piece of footage that they had of people talking on phones from the previous seasons. That's hilarious. I can't figure out the guy in the middle, though. It must be a piece of footage, but I couldn't remember where it was from. I'll have to go back and look yeah, at that. Yeah, go back and look at that. And, and shout out to anybody who figures it out uh, who wants to reach out to us. So I also love that Apu gets the call. And Apu is listening to the radio. And the radio's like, you know, talking about how Michael Jackson's going to show up. And it's going to be really cool. It's like in the rumor department. And they're like, in honor of Michael Jackson, we're going to play an extra long version of Inagata Davida. And they start playing Inagata Davida. And Apu closes the quickie mark. One of the few times he closes the quickie mark. It is, yeah, it is. It does not happen very often. Uh, so the mayor is super excited about it outside the Simpsons house. And he mentions that this is the greatest thing to happen to Springfield since the Dalai Lama visited Springfield in 1952. He's also going to rename the expressway from the Dalai Lama, uh, you know, expressway to the Michael Jackson expressway. Uh, it, for those who don't know, the Dalai Lama is a uh, religious figure uh, in uh, what uh, religion is that that the Dalai Lama is a part of? I'm having a brain fart here, Sean. Can you remember? It's uh, Buddhism, isn't it? I think you're right. It would be out of Tibet. So it'd be Tibetan Buddhism? Probably something like that. Uh, the Yeah, the Dalai Lama, uh, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, excuse me. Uh, is a, uh, uh, yep, Tibetan Buddhism. You're absolutely correct. He's like the the reincarnation of like their their leader. Their leader is like re- every time a, a Dalai Lama dies, another one is born and they, you know, continue the process. Uh, really kind of interesting stuff. Uh, I've, I've watched uh, specials on the Dalai Lama and like what's going to happen when this Dalai Lama that we have currently dies and like what it means because they're currently trying to like, China's trying to squelch out Tibetan yeah. Buddhism? Yeah, tr- China's been trying to take Tibet back for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually a really, really good interview with uh, John Oliver in the Oh, Dalai that's Lama. the one I saw. That yeah, one saw? that's the one I saw. That, that's a really good one that I was thinking of. Yeah. I've seen a couple of different ones. That was a solid one. Uh, so he, you know, Homer gets out and he's like, oh, thanks everybody. And everyone starts chanting Michael's name. And he opens the door and... You know, somebody's like, he's 300 pounds. Somebody else is like, he's white. And Moe's like, he's dressed without flair. And everybody starts booing him. Also, uh, I normally try to note who's in crowds. Like, I make sure to note. Uh, and there's way too many characters. Oh, yeah. The, this is the entire town of Springfield has come to this yeah, event. The, almost the full cast of characters from all the episodes of The Simpsons previous. Like, the actual characters. Not even just, like, random side characters. Like, you see all these, like, main characters here. And... Uh, yeah, these are real people. These aren't like two heads formed into one being with a Ninja Turtles mask on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, you know, Lisa tells Bart, she comes out and she's like, you know, the town is calling for your blood. Everybody hates you. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm really, really hesitant to ask if you got me my birthday present. And Bart's like, nah, maybe it's best you just trust that instinct and not ask. Lisa starts crying and runs away. Now, for the record, she might be being, you know, melodramatic here and for about her birthday. But I will say that Bart promised her a birthday present. And to break a promise when he had two days to get it ready, that's rough. That's rough, yeah. That's that's not cool on Bart. The mom in the mental institution, I can forget. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, so, you know, the, the family is currently sort of busy, and Michael's just sort of wandering around the house. He sees that Homer's trying to, like, uh, uh, you know, remove the stamp from his, his the you know, the front of his hand. You know, he can't get it off. Uh, Lisa got stationary for her birthday and decided to write a uh, she's writing a letter to Bart basically saying that she'll like never speak to him again and only will hug him if a like a a, a therapist recommends that you know she does so at some far off family event in the future. You're being a little over dramatic, Lisa. Just a little Just melodramatic. A little <laughs> Don't be wrong. You should be upset that your brother broke a promise and didn't get you a birthday present. That's rough, but like to never speak to him again and only uh, hug him if a therapist recommends it. Yeah, yeah. you're pushing it. Yeah, I think so. So Michael walks into Bart's room and you know he sees Bart's pretty upset that you know Lisa is upset. And, you know, he comes in and basically is like, listen, you know, like you got to do something to repair your relationship with your, you know, sister. He's like, I've got all these siblings, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Bart's like, listen, he's like, you're not Michael Jackson. He pulls out a record and, you know, we see it's the black Michael Jackson in the front of the record. It's from the uh, Thriller album. Thriller, he pulls out. Pulls out Thriller and he's like, you're not Michael Jackson. You just look like a big fat mental patient. And Michael says, you'd be surprised how often I get that. And Michael Jackson's delivery on a lot of lines is super good. It is. You, he he definitely does a pretty good job, you know. And, you know, basically Michael says, he's like, listen, he's like, you know, he, he tells Bart that he should just do what he can and, like, write a song. Because that's what he used to give his siblings when, you know, they were younger. And Bart's like, man, you know, you're not Michael Jackson. Tries to blow him off. And. He says, listen, he's like, either Michael Jackson is is in some recording studio in you know, in like L.A. or whatever, Hollywood, or he's here right now willing to help you write this song. The choice is yours. Bart's like, all right, I guess. You know, he's like, you, I'll get some coffee going. You get to the piano. And Bart came up with a song, and it's like... Bart's li- pretty bad at writing lyrics. Yeah, it's very, very childish, you know, like, you know, stuff. It's like, you know, le- talking about Lisa's teeth being big gross and green and all this stuff her breath smells like gasoline yeah you know and you know michael's like no she's like no and so you know he he says he's like bart he's like think about it what big happens to you when you're eight and bart's like well the training wheels come off your bike and he sings a song about training wheels coming off your bike but it made me think i feel like my training wheels popped off a lot sooner than eight i don't remember when I had training wheels, but I think it was sooner than eight. Yeah, right? I, I, I felt like... The, it had to be, because I was riding a bike when my brother was born, and I was seven, and so that'd be the first grade. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like... I feel like training wheels I only had on for, like... Honestly, I don't know if my mother allowed training wheels. I think I think she had a more Spartan method of uh, teaching me how to ride a bike. Basically, if you fall, just don't cry about it. I mean, that's the way you do it. I mean, our buddy <laughs> who we talked about, a friend of the show, Tank, he uh, threw his kid down a mountain to make sure he could climb back up. 
I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what passage. tanks did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I, that's what tanks do. Uh, so there's a, a, a there's a comment here, though, that I thought was weird, and, and maybe you understand it because I couldn't figure it out. Uh, Michael you know, finishes up this little bit of the song, and he goes like, you know, hee-hee. And Bart says, you're just putting that in because it's commercial. And he laughs. What does that mean? Is it because there was a commercial break there? I don't know if there was. No. So he's putting that in there because it is a commercial property of Michael Jackson going, hee-hee, that you can put it in. It's very recognizable. Uh, so that's why Bart says you're putting it in there. I see. I got gotcha. It's very recognizable. It, it's one of Michael Jackson's things. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I didn't quite put two and two together there. So poor Michael has to lug a piano up the stairs. And uh, Bart goes to plug Lisa's nose. You know, she she snorts herself awake. And she's like, Bart, it's 6 a.m. And Bart's like, that's right. I hope you like your present. I love that Bart woke her up at 6 a.m., which is how this episode started. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that about this. I do. I do, too. <laughs> I love when things come back to older jokes. We also see that the poster is still on the back of Lisa's door that says, End Apartheid Now. Yep, I saw that. I just thought of us. Which we're getting there. Someday. <sighs> Someday. In like a few years. Uh, and so, you know, Michael sings this song, Happy Birthday, Lisa. And I I myself prefer the, the lullaby to Homer. Uh, but this song's great. It's uh, This song is so damn catchy. It really it is. It gets stuck in my head. And it was stuck in my head after watching this episode for like a good day. And so, you know, while, while the... Uh, you know, while the Simpsons start waking up from this song, Bart and Michael sing, you know, this this song, you know, about Lisa's birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. Lisa, it's your birthday. Uh, and, you know, the, the song finishes and Lisa's, you know, incredibly happy. She tells Bart it's the best present she ever got. And Michael's voice changes. And he says, well, my work here is done. And they're like, and Bart's like, Michael, what happened to your voice? And he admits that he is actually Leon Kompowski, a bricklayer from Patterson, New Jersey, which for the record is the third most populated city in New Jersey. Leon says that he was very angry and until one day he started to talk like Michael Jackson. And, you know, he he found that, you know, people were kinder to him. He found that the world started to be a better place. And so he sort of took on Michael Jackson as a persona. And he says, to make a tired point, which one of us is truly crazy? And Homer pulls out the certificate and goes, not, <laughs> not me, me. <laughs> I got this. And so the episode ends with Leon, who, who impersonated Michael Jackson, walking down the street, singing the Happy Birthday Lisa song, while you know everyone says goodbye, and, and you know, Lisa tells him that he's a credit to dementia. And you know he, he trots off, and the Simpsons never see Leon Kampowski again. Do they never see him again? Uh, I presume. So we said at the beginning of this episode we're going to do a Patreon episode about sure. this episode mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson. Yep. We're doing two Patreon episodes about this episode mm-hmm. because there is an unproduced sequel to this episode oh that we are going to talk about where Liam Kampowski returns only voiced by Prince. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. So there are 
some of the script for that episode. We're going to get into that on Patreon. Absolutely. It's a, a very Michael Jackson centric uh, month, I suppose, uh, as you know, our Patreon specials come out. So, of course, uh, you know, as you bring up Patreon, you know, make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so and gain some wonderful perks, not only from our show, but other shows on the network. Uh, shows like the GameZilla Show, our video game news, uh, Last Action Podcast, where we, you know, we have a show that uh, from LPJ Sphinx and Hovercraft Joe that breaks down action movies movies you know make sure to check out a lot of that stuff and uh sean what do you think the lasting impact of this episode is so this episode gives us probably our best guest star i loved dustin hoffman Mm -hmm. but man michael jackson is so sorry john j smith is so good (laughs) in this episode it it is funny because like you know it it is a a very good episode and it's a shame that it is removed from syndication because i mean you know i get it like michael jackson it's it's a little bit more confirmed these days it isn't just you know hearsay you know uh, you know heck i mean on uh, legend of retro podcast uh where we do retro video games in our michael jackson moonwalker episode I brought up a lot of this stuff, you know, I mean, like back then he, you know, was on trial for, you know, like, uh, you know, sexually assaulting like a minor and stuff. And it like the court case got thrown out and, you know, it was like set or settled out, uh, outside of court and, you know, all this crazy stuff happened. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's very little to doubt that Michael Jackson was inappropriate with children. And so you just have to ask yourself, are you able to appreciate what was created from a person like that? And I mean, this is a very good episode of The Simpsons looking at it objectively. And so you just sort of have to take a subjective eye to it. Is it something you're willing to watch? It's a very hard subject to get into for art versus the artist. Yeah. Because some things kind of bug you. Like you'll find out someone is like Orson Scott Card, sci-fi writer who wrote Ender's Game. Mm Mm-hmm really good author he's also one of the biggest homophobes and bigots that has ever existed and he's kind of a piece of shit yeah it it makes you you know can you enjoy their work knowing how their stance on things maybe maybe not yes some people can no others can't i mean you know like i said like louis ck i really enjoyed his comedic work i i never even saw his own show that he had i just knew that he was a hilarious comedian but like i don't i don't watch him anymore i don't listen to him i i used to really like bill cosby thought he was a funny guy don't listen to him i could go back and watch the cosby show i think and be fine i never really watched the cosby show to begin with for the record i watched the cosby show a lot in uh, the 90s actually my mom did i remember her watching the cosby show quite a bit and i remember seeing episodes on occasion but i mean i wouldn't go out of my way for it years later uh but, you know, you have the like that you have, you know, like even people on the Internet, like more nowadays, you had like, uh, what was it? A few years back, Jontron, YouTuber who like made a lot of funny videos. And then it turned out that he thought like people of certain races were lesser than others or something like that. And it was just like, I can't get behind this. This is uncomfortable, you know, and so it's it's hard. It's it's hard to justify. And, and it's I feel I'm not gonna lie. I feel hypocritical. I feel kind of crappy about myself knowing that I can like this episode, that I could listen to Michael Jackson's music. But if I, you know, go to listen to like a Bill Cosby record, I think, oh, my God, this is terrible. I can't do this. It's a very weird feeling. And I'm wondering if your nostalgia is blocking it. That could be. 
But I didn't really get into Michael Jackson's music until a little bit later. I didn't really uh, like his work when I was younger for whatever reason. I just, but I wasn't big into music when I was a kid. That could be part of it. Yeah, you know, but I mean, you know, I didn't really get into Michael Jackson stuff until later. So I, I don't know. It, it, it probably is a bit of nostalgia blocking it off. It is, it, and it's hypocritical. I, I don't feel great about it, honestly. I feel kind of crappy about it, but I mean, you know, objectively, this is a good episode. It is a great start to season three. It really is. It's a much better start than what became the start now. Uh, I mean, I like the next episode. I like the next episode, but it is not It is not as booming of a start. It doesn't That's get true. you off to the races. That's it's true. It's kind of a slow burn. Uh, I mean, Michael Jackson is a big part of the lasting impact for sure. Is there anything else you had to add to that? Well, yeah. Um, one other thing that we didn't even touch on in this episode is Michael Jackson had a hit song to the Bartman. Yeah, he did. Michael Jackson was a huge fan of Bart Simpson as a character. Yeah, he really, really was. It's, you know, it's it's weird to think that... Like, this is a dream for Michael Jackson to be on this show that he thoroughly enjoys. Which yeah. is weird to think that he's this big celebrity. He could do whatever he wants. And this is something he really wants to do and he's really excited about. Yeah, it is. It's it's really, really funny. You know, it's... I mean, you know, the... the the All the... the I call them allegations, but really we pretty much know that, you know, he, he was you know, up to no good, so to speak, or or did bad things and didn't realize he was doing bad things. Well, you, you got to call them allegations because also you don't know the full truth. So I guess I'm going to bring up a story on this one. And uh-huh. there's um, a group of people I follow on YouTube who had a member who was accused of sexual harassment. Mm hmm. And basically, Twitter mobs came out and just labeled him as this creep and this rapist. Yeah. Well, he took him to court, and he won and released publicly a lot of the information. And he was just kind of a creep because he was cheating on his wife. But it was very consensual. Mm -hmm. It was consensual cheating. And I feel like sometimes the mob of people that go on to these allegations is much bigger than what it would be if it wasn't in the public eye. Oh yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. I, I think that it's it's tricky because you 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 wanna support the victims, you know, and you don't want to do victim blaming where it's like, you know, like, oh, you're doing this for attention and stuff like yeah. that. You know, you, you don't want that. But there is this gray area where sometimes, yeah, it's maybe not that bad. You know, like like you you know, and you definitely hear about people that are like falsely convicted of things like rape or or you know assault and stuff, and they go to jail when they shouldn't have, and they're only released like however many years later when new evidence comes forth or something. You know, it's horribly sad when things like that happen. But at the same time, you know, it's like you know when when all the allegations first started coming out about Cosby, is you had a fair amount of people that were just like, oh, they're doing it for attention, and it's like, yeah, but once you brand when you go out into public and you say someone is a rapist. Everybody scrutinizes everything you do. Your life is probably pretty fucked at that point. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's, it, that, it begs the question, why would you do it knowing that it was going to sully your privacy, your life, all this stuff? And so, yeah, it's, it's this weird gray area where it is hard. You don't want to come out and say, oh, well, this person's the worst when you don't know the full answer. But you also don't want to blame the victims and be like, oh, you're just making stuff up to make, you know, get attention because that's probably not the case. So it's this weird limbo of just the whole situation kind of sucks. Yeah, I think that's the moral on this episode. (laughs) Everything kind of sucks. And you know what I say, Sean? 
It's what my mama always said. Life is a never-ending torrent of misery. <laughs> Craig. Yes. It's been a pleasure doing this episode with you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so glad we're in season three. Season three is... It's, it just gets better it's from here. so good. One of my five favorite episodes will be coming up pretty soon, and I'm Ooh, really excited. Nice, nice. So, Sean, I tell you what. Let's go ahead and end on a fun note. What is your favorite quote from the episode? I guess that's a hot dog. <laughs> Roof. <laughs> it gets me. It's so dark. It's such dark humor. Oh, God. Oh, God. I end on something that's not as twisted. To make a tired point, which one of us is truly crazy? Not me. I got this. 